Hi guys and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Here on this podcast we discuss so many topics like politics, pop culture, news, life, society, anything you could think of we talk about it here except sports. Well we talk about sports a little bit. Anyway if you're new here go ahead and subscribe. When you subscribe on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast on you will be notified every single time we have a brand new episode and that happens to be every Tuesday at 9 a.m. sharp. I am the host of this podcast and my name is Shakira so I welcome you. Thank you for all of my returning listeners and subscribers, my carefree family. I love you all so 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 much. I hope that you all are staying safe. So that's all I have for the intro. Let's hop right into our carefree updates. Alright, so the first Carefree update that I have for you all is really exciting to me. I think it's going to be really exciting to you as well. So today, um, of course, you're listening to this possibly on a Tuesday, but most of you all listen to the podcast the week it comes out, even if you don't listen to it on Tuesday. So if you're listening to this podcast this week, guess what? Hold on, I'm going to let you think about it. Just guess, just guess. Okay, it's taking you too long. So we have a new sibling podcast and I told you all back in February during Black History Month when we did our Black History series where we talked about four different figures that I feel like or I felt like were forgotten in Black History or that we didn't just give enough light to enough shine to in our history books and we covered four different people and I told you all that I was going to continue that on a separate podcast because it's something that I'm very passionate about um black history black people black culture and especially giving light to those heroes that we don't hear about so much so we always hear about Martin Luther King we always hear about Malcolm X um Rosa Parks um I mean the basic ones you know the ones that everyone brings up every black history month but there were so many more people than just those so i decided that i was going to do it on a separate podcast so that podcast is launching friday this friday that is let me see april 3rd it's launching april 3rd i'm looking at my calendar right in front of my face um april 3rd I haven't decided what time it's going to come out, but you can search it on Instagram and you can search it on your favorite listening podcast platforms that you used to listen to podcasts on. Um, you can search for Black History Moments. So that is the name of the podcast, Black History Moments. That one is going to be set up a little bit differently. It's going to be more um, storytelling. So telling the life of whoever the particular episode is covering so I hope that you all will subscribe I already know that you all would enjoy it so go ahead and subscribe thank you for supporting me thus far and I hope that you all will continue to support me um in my different endeavors and especially in listening to that podcast because I just feel like it's I, I feel I have a good feeling about that podcast I, I really do and I feel like it's gonna be something um, monumental because we just don't talk about black history enough you know outside of February so that's the first carefree update I hope that you all are as excited as I am about it because I am really really excited 
All right, next carefree update. You may have some money coming in the mail, honey. You may have some money coming. So they finally passed the stimulus um, bill, and this is the largest amount in history as far as stimulus packages are concerned. And from what I've been reading, from what I've been reading, um, adults would be receiving $1,200, so $1,200. If you are a college student whose parent still claims them as a dependent on their taxes, you are not eligible to receive a stimulus check. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And also adults um, can receive, I believe, $500 per child in the household up to four children. So after the fourth child, I don't think um, you would receive an extra $500 per child. I think the limit is 2000 because 500 times 4, 2000 All right, so that is what I've seen so far. Also, if you are behind on child support, so you are not eligible for the stimulus check. You are not eligible for that money, okay? If you are behind on child support payments, pay your child support payments. That's all I have to say about that one. Um, I do believe people that are retired are still eligible, senior citizens, um, but I was more so concerned about people around my age, um, you know, millennials and Gen Z, how would that affect them? So you aren't considered a child, so them receiving the extra $500, I think the cutoff is like 17 years old. I could be wrong. I would have to check on that one to double check, but I think if you're over 17, they don't, your parent doesn't receive the $500. And that one was kind of like, uh, uh, it didn't sit well with me because you have a lot of college students whose parents still claim them as dependents. So that child, but I mean, and they still work, like they work and go to school. So them not being eligible for a stimulus check is kind of crazy, but I understand, you know, the United States is huge, our population is huge, and I'm just glad that this happened to try to help people. I was in the store two days ago, and the lady in front of me, her card declined, and I felt so bad because it's one thing to read on social media or see on the news all of these stories about people being laid off, people not being able to go to work. Of course, I've been telling y'all for two weeks, I have not been to work. <laughs> like, I have not been to work, period. And this, like, has been my source of income that has been holding me up for these past um, two weeks, going on three weeks now. So it's just like, I understand how hard it is for people. And when I saw that, you know, it's different to hear about it but to actually see it in front of your face it was like heartbreaking because this is happening all across the united states and now the united states is the leader in the coronavirus numbers and i believe we have the highest amount of deaths so far as far as the coronavirus is concerned so i've been telling y'all for two weeks and i'm going to tell you again and i'm going to tell you for however long this lasts please quarantine yourselves please practice social distancing if you have to go out of your house please let it be to a pharmacy to the grocery store to take a walk um, something like that. Don't try to hang with the gang during this time. This is not the time to do that. You ha will have the summer. You'll have the summer if you practice social distancing and you isolate yourselves from large crowds. I saw news stories with people at parades. I saw my people in Florida. Lord have mercy. 
Florida takes absolutely nothing serious and sometimes it's so annoying but I saw my people in Florida hanging out at the gas stations listen I love a good gas station hangout with the cars sitting on the big rims the loud music I love that I love that it's in my blood it's in my culture but this is not the time to do that this is not the time to do that again we will have the summer to do that if we do what we have to do now to limit the spread of this virus so do your part don't be selfish. Think about your grandma. Think about your parents and think about yourself because it's not only older people that are being exposed to this virus. Young people are passing as well. I've seen 30 year olds. I've seen 20 year olds and I have seen the first infant to pass from this virus. So please do your part and stay safe. I know it's hard to stay in the house. I myself felt like I was going crazy three days ago but do what you have to do okay because I want all of us to make it out of this alive healthy safe and I want our healthcare workers our scientists our medical workers to be safe as well and to live to see another day and be able to go home to their families safely and healthily so do your part do your part this episode is brought to you by visit Williamsburg in Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, guys, so last week, um, very briefly during the episode, I mentioned that generational trauma is a thing, that trauma can be passed down through generations, even if a particular person has not experienced the trauma themselves personally. So I wanted to use this episode as a brief, very brief overview on what generational trauma is. So I've done a little research. I've been reading some academic articles, okay? I've been watching some videos and I am going to basically share with you all what I have learned about generational trauma. So the first thing I learned is that black people call it generational trauma, but scientifically it is named transgenerational trauma or intergenerational trauma. So these two things are one and the same and they are a psychological theory that suggests that trauma can be transferred between generations. So after one particular person in a bloodline or in a family has experienced a trauma and they have survived that said trauma, whatever it may have been, they are able to then transfer that trauma to their children, their grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and further generations along the line how they are transmitting this trauma is through complex post-traumatic stress disorder mechanisms so i know i'm not a science person and some of you may not be science people either and i don't want you to be turned off or um feel like you're not going to be able to follow along on this episode because i'm 
going to try to break it down until it can't be broken down anymore and hopefully it'll be in a way that you can understand and actually that I have grown to understand it um, because reading some science language sometimes it's a little hard for your girl okay I was not a science person ever <laughs> I was never a science person so I'm going to try to break it down for you all but first I am going to play this clip for you all that was extremely helpful to me she is a doctor her name is Dr. Joy DeGroy and she speaks about what generational trauma is and how it is passed through post-traumatic stress disorder so here is her clip Post-traumatic slave syndrome is an explanatory theory that really looks at multi-generational trauma. One of the things that's difficult for people is their first response is, oh my God, that happened so long ago. We're talking about people being captured, shipped, sold, beaten, raped, experimented on, and then you have to ask the question, did the trauma continue? Yes, so 300 years of trauma, no help, freed. No help, more trauma. If it's a sustained trauma, then the, the impact of that is also sustained. When we look at multi-generational trauma, we're looking at people who are maybe victims of natural disasters and their families and their children and generations of folks who have experienced war. Uh, and we know that there are residual uh, mental, emotional, traumatic impact. And what I did was I started to look at the African-American experience, starting with slavery, as a real clear long enduring trauma. So I started to see that there were clear connections between that survival behavior and contemporary living in African-American experience. I started to see common behaviors that I took for granted as, well, cultural. There's adaptive behaviors, survival behaviors. Well, what are they? Let's just say 2019, you have a black mother and a white mother. The sons go to school together. They find themselves at a meeting. The black mother leans over to the white mother and says, I just wanted to mention to you that I noticed that your son is really doing quite well. And the white mother's response is, oh, thank you. She begins to go on and on about, he won the science fair, his uncle's an astronaut. She's just oozing. She realizes the black mother's son is actually excelling her son. And she says, well, wait a minute. Your son's the one that's really coming along. And the black mother responds, oh my God, he's a handful, but oh, he just works my nerves. Now, when I'm working with African-American people, it doesn't matter what the audience is. It doesn't matter what class. If I were to ask, is she very proud while she's saying those denigrating things? And everybody laughs and goes, of course, there's a secret. Because everybody black knows that even though the black mother is going, oh my God, she's really proud. So now let's roll that scene back 300 years. And let's say this black mother is working in the fields and a white slave owner comes through and says, wow, that boy is really coming along. What is she going to say? No, he's not. He's, he's stupid. He's, he's shiftless. He can't work because I don't want you to sell him. So I denigrate them to protect them. That is called appropriate adaptation when living in a hostile environment. The little white boy, say Timmy, you know, he feels really comfortable and happy about what his mom just said about him. And Trey looks at his mom and wonders, why can't you be proud of me? because he doesn't understand the secret yet. And by the time he learns the secret, he will have already been injured by it. Post-traumatic slave syndrome.
PTSD um, is a disorder that occurs as a result of a single trauma. You don't even have to be there to actually get a diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder. You could just hear about something horrific happening to someone you love. So you have people who have experienced it firsthand, people who have witnessed it in their environment, right? People who are continuing to be oppressed. That exacerbates any possibility of healing. So it's not post-traumatic stress disorder because then it becomes part of uh, what we call your socialization process. So you begin to normalize a way of living and being. Everything from what we eat to what we believe it means to be a friend. You know, all of these things are colored by history. And if you don't understand it, you're going to fold in things that you've just assumed are normal. But post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, exaggerated startle response, outbursts of anger, a feeling of foreshortened future. There was a point where there were you know, African-American children in different urban settings that didn't expect to live to be adults because they saw so much death that they started planning their funerals like at 13, 12, as young as 10. When you start looking at the, the simple biology, you start looking at the, the impact of stress on health. And while we look at general stress, you know, we know finances, you have illnesses, all these different things. How about being black? How does factoring in being black in America impact your stress level and therefore your body's ability to operate its own immune system? Because we know it compromises the immune system. Once you understand it, then you can deal with it. Because you see, it's habitual. You socialize. It becomes part of your being. So one of the ways you begin to address that multi-generational trauma is to work with the people it directly impacts, to hear from them. And when you give the people the information, they, they can use it. I think the first order of business is beginning to have a conversation. And the other is to educate the larger society. You have to stop the assault. So this is not purely a clinical thing. This requires social justice and change. That's where part of the healing is. It's not in a clinical setting or in a pill. It's in fairness and justice and safety and equity. We gotta work with some of those clinical things, some of those issues of panic and anxiety. And we also have to deal with the fact that you have a system that is set up to oppress you and to continue to injure you. Both those things have to be dealt with. And they cannot singularly by themselves affect a change. They have to be done collectively. Alright, so I found that video very helpful and I wanted to make sure that I played it for you all and I'm also going to put a link to the video in the description of this podcast episode so you can go and watch it yourself. It's very helpful and you can also share it with your family and your friends. So along with that video, I also was reading a article on The Atlantic and the name of it is Inherited Trauma Shapes Your Health. So this one on this podcast episode, I do want to focus more so on the mental effects of post-traumatic, oh, let me be correct, let me be correct, intergenerational stress, right, um, and trauma. But I was reading this article that was, it kind of gives, it really does give a feel on how it affects um, not only mentally, but your physical health as well. So these researchers from the North Bureau of Economic Research, they found that in a study, 
They found that Union Army soldiers who endure grueling conditions as prisoners of war were more likely to die young than the sons of soldiers who were not prisoners. So this is not just a black people thing. This is a across the board thing. But also in this article I was reading where it said that people who have experienced racial discrimination have more of a type of epigenic change called methylation on the genes that affect schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and asthma than people who have not experienced racial discrimination. And I did not know that. I did not know that my mother has asthma, my niece has asthma, um, my brother is asthmatic. So it's just like, it's crazy how racial discrimination can be a cause, a small cause, but a cause nonetheless of how asthma is passed through generations so I kind of wanted to um, speak to this topic a little bit and talk about how I have experienced intergenerational trauma and what I feel like our next moves can be as a community as individuals to try to break these cycles because the cycles will continue to happen unless we have a generation that puts their foot down and says it stops with me so we often, you know, think about the black experience as starting with slavery because we don't know anything before that. You know, we know the transatlantic slave trade when slaves were taken from Africa and bought here to be enslaved. So that is for most of us where our story starts. Now, I'm speaking on behalf of African-Americans, not um, Africans or people who can trace their lineage back to Africa or wherever your people came from. But more specifically, African-Americans. But I feel like this episode will still be helpful to anyone who is listening, black, white, Asian, Puerto Rican. It doesn't matter. African, African-American, it doesn't matter. So we know that we usually start with slavery. Even starting with slavery, that is the beginning of generational trauma, intergenerational trauma. I'm trying to stay politically correct here. Intergenerational trauma. Because when slaves were brought here, they were stripped of their culture. They were stripped of their language. They were stripped of their names and given other names. So we don't even, we aren't even able to trace ourselves back to where we came from. We don't know what language we spoke. We don't know what tribe our people belong to. We don't know what our last name may have been because our last names were stripped and we were given the last name of the slave master and just as dr joy stated in that video with the example she gave of the black mother and the white mother at a parent teacher meeting or a meeting at the school and how the black mother instantly her first instinct was to kind of talk down on her son's experience and how she deals with him and how that can be traced back to slavery days when mothers would talk like that to just to try to not get the slave master to sell their children to another um, plantation and when she gave that example, I was like, wow, because I have seen that. Like, I have seen black mothers do that to children. And I've always thought, like, why Like, why is that a thing? Because it is true. Like, you know, they are proud of them. But if you're proud of them, why do you have to talk so negatively about them at the same time? It's like, it doesn't make sense. But when she broke it down like that, I was like, wow. It does make sense. It's intergenerational trauma that can be traced back. And think about how small that example is but how much we do and say that can be traced back to our experience in slavery and how it's just a 
mode of survival and just trying to live and be free out here. So that's one. Now, even after slavery, we can remember how some slaves were still enslaved, even though they were free because the slave masters knew that the slaves couldn't read. They didn't have access to news or anything that was going on. So there were still slaves enslaved after slavery because they knew the slaves didn't know that they were really free. And you had slaves that didn't leave the plantation until five years, three years, maybe never left the plantation because they were never made aware that they were free to go. That is intergenerational trauma. And if you move forward past um, slavery, you're now going into Jim Crow and segregation. Now, we know that this is definitely a cause of intergenerational trauma. Um, when we visit different businesses, I know a lot of times when I go in businesses and I feel like um, someone who works there, an employee of the business, if I feel like they are treating me differently than they are a white person or another person who maybe is black but doesn't have the same skin color that I have, same skin tone, I'll say, that I have, who is maybe of a lighter complexion, if I feel like they aren't treating me how they would treat someone else, I'm going to feel disrespected. And that is intergenerational trauma that can be traced back to Jim Crow and segregation because we know in stores back then they would, we know how they would treat people back in the day. Like you had the separate entrances, you know, they weren't treating people as human beings because you weren't even considered a whole human being at that time. So that can be traced back to intergenerational trauma. You have the crack epidemic and how when crack was placed in the black neighborhoods, no one cared. No one cared. It was almost like as long as it's not affecting us, it's fine. Like it's just killing them. It's just affecting them and their children and their families. So it doesn't matter to me. The crack epidemic. Think about the prison industrial complex and how black fathers were taken out of the household and how that affected the black household, how it broke up the black household. And then think about when um, with welfare back in the day, how black mothers weren't able to live in the public housing if the father was in the home. So it separated the black family. That is intergenerational trauma. We still have single black households. Now, granted, you have black households, not black households. You have households of every race and color that have single mothers. Okay, so I'm very tired of the stereotype that it's only black single mothers out here because there are single mothers of every race and color. But we know that it's still a common stereotype of the black single mother um, who raised the kids on her own because the husband either ran away or he was um, locked up somewhere. And when I think about the crack epidemic, I am always extremely heartbroken because I think about how now we look at opioids and the opioid epidemic and how much limelight it has gotten in mainstream media and how that same um, light wasn't shown to the black community when crack was ravaging our neighborhoods. Like we weren't given that same grace we weren't given that same opportunity to be shown as human beings who just had an addiction we didn't get that it was almost like they were ostracized and thought to be monsters who were just uncontrollable and couldn't control 
their addiction for crack <laughs> and it's just like it's an addiction help them they need help but we all know that crack was placed in the black neighborhoods um and then even today with gentrification i know gentrification i have told you all several times that gentrification is something that i'm super passionate about and if i had a billion dollars i would buy up the black neighborhoods because i was raised in black neighborhoods i was raised around black people in black schools with black teachers and by me having that experience i don't take for granted how important it was to my upbringing and how it really contributed to my development as a person today i do believe that if i had not grown up on the south side of town attending an all-black school without black teachers i do believe that i would be a completely different person than i am today um because i had an early 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 start with the black experience and when you think about gentrification gentrification is when these other people are coming into the neighborhoods and it's not just black neighborhoods it can be hispanic neighborhoods um asian neighborhoods and buying up the businesses and replacing those businesses with other businesses and driving up the prices of rent housing um, basic living expenses and costs and driving out which further drives out the natives of that neighborhood to have to move somewhere else and that also strips those people of their culture and their heritage now i think about even where i grew up there is a there's a section of town called Frenchtown. Now, Frenchtown was one of the oldest black neighborhoods in Florida. And I believe almost in the United States. Um, it was one of the first black neighborhoods where there were booming black businesses. And you can Google it. It's called Frenchtown. And after a while, Frenchtown really went down. So Frenchtown went down because after segregation was over black people were now able to shop at the mall and shop at white businesses so they no longer wanted to spend their money in black businesses because it's like we've arrived we've made it like we finally got what we want but then that put those black business owners out of business and it just made the community go down so Frenchtown has been down for a while but I know when I went to college so even when I was in elementary through high school FAMU Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University, which is a historically black college and university here in Tallahassee, Florida, um, they always had homecoming. So every homecoming Saturday morning, it would be cold, but my family and I, we would go to Frenchtown because the parade will always run through Frenchtown. And it was such an amazing time. Um, it was just beautiful because it was black people everywhere. You had black people selling snacks. It was just it was beautiful. But they changed the parade route and the parade route no longer went through Frenchtown and went through um, just FAMU almost. And now Frenchtown is being redeveloped by um, some big business owners. There was a homeless shelter because there was a great um, concentration of the homeless population in Tallahassee that resided in the Frenchtown area. So these developers purchased that land where the homeless shelter was they knocked it down they said they were going to put a hotel there this was back in 2016 2017 i can tell you today there's still nothing there the homeless shelter is gone but they felt like it was just a bad look so they knocked the homeless shelter down and it just i let me tell y'all something i got into it with this girl um i remember it like it was yesterday i was in chicago in 2018 
2017 or 2018 i had gone to chicago on a school trip and this girl started talking about them knocking down the homeless shelter so anyone who knows me knows i don't play about the homeless like i do not play about the homeless and she started going on about how it was such a great move um her husband was like an investor for it and i started telling her like do you realize how many people's lives were affected by that because i went to church literally a block away from where the homeless shelter once stood all my life and we always fed the homeless every Sunday. They would come from the homeless shelter to church to get breakfast and dinner whenever we had dinner. And I just could not get her to understand, you know, how it wasn't just her husband's money and business that was affected by them knocking down the homeless shelter. But it was people's lives, where they slept, where they ate, where they had shelter. And it was just crazy to me I'm not even gonna get into it because I'll get upset all over again but me and her really went at it about that so gentrification stripping people of their culture and where they grew up where they have memories that also creates intergenerational trauma for those coming after us and think about police brutality police brutality is nothing new to us at all police brutality has always been a thing especially in the black community so I always wondered, you know, while I'm driving sometimes and I look in my rearview mirror or I look in my side mirror and I see a police cruiser behind me, why does my heart always skip a beat? Why do I always get scared when I see that? But it's intergenerational trauma. That is why, like, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, my great-great-grandparents have experienced that and lived through that. And not only them, I've seen it in the news. We've seen the police stories of unarmed black men and women being shot down and killed and there being no justice served on their behalf with our justice system. We've seen it. So that is why when I see when I'm driving and I'm not doing anything wrong at all, I see a police car. I instantly, you know, feel like I have to protect myself or let me break my speed even more. I'm driving 40 and the speed limit is 45, but maybe I need to drive 30 just in case. So that is why we have those feelings and especially why we have feelings of hopelessness, feeling like we can't do anything about the situations that we have or that we've been passed down because of intergenerational trauma and the years and years and years before us where we've had ancestors who have experienced different things within their lifetime that they felt like they didn't have any control over. So I wanted to give you all this brief overview. I know it was very quick, but I just wanted to kind of get your gears turning about what intergenerational trauma is and how we can start um, breaking the cycle with ourselves. And even if we can't break it ourselves, hopefully um, breaking it with our little cousins or our children, our grandchildren, and really just passing down um, better ways of coping and also trying to make a difference in the systems because like Dr. Joy said in the video, it's not enough for us to have a pill that we're taking for anxiety or for us to see a therapist or for us to educate our children and our young about these issues. It also takes for our systems 
to have a complete overhaul like our systems have to change as well as us as people we have to change but it has to happen at the same time it has to happen at the same time not at separate times in order for it to be effective so i hope that this got you to thinking a little bit and i hope that you share this episode with your friends your family your classmates so we can get the ball rolling on this thing i do want to see us do better i do want to see us rise as a community and as black people i am sick and tired of being sick and tired okay and i need us to do something about it so that is the topic of the day a brief overview on generational trauma stay tuned because after this i'm going to have shakira's keys and shakira's keys is what i want you to keep with you throughout this week all right this week what i want you to remember for shakira's keys is a return to self. Shakira, what does that mean? I want you to try to use this time, this opportunity to return to self. So example, I was in the Dollar Tree, um, I think about two weeks ago. Right now, time is no longer a concept, so my sense of time is all off. But I think it was like two weeks ago, I was in the Dollar Tree and I was like, oh, I want to paint. So I grabbed these canvases, um, art palettes, and different things that I needed to paint. I painted some pictures and one night my mom was like, um, she had just left from with my niece and my niece had told her, um, well, you know, she always loved to draw, you know, talking about me. And my mom was like, remember when you drew this and remember when you drew that? And it was just like, wow, I had forgotten about all of that stuff. So I want you to use this time, this quarantine time to try to return to self. And by that, I mean, try to remember the things about yourself that you may have forgotten over the years because life just picked up. Because I know for me, I went to college and before I was in college, I was dual enrolled in high school. So I was a high school student and a college student at the same time. And I just didn't have time for things that I loved anymore. Or I felt like society and people were telling me that um, I wasn't going to get anywhere with the things that I loved so I needed to basically be a grown-up and make adult decisions and find a real thing to love and enjoy right so in doing that I forgot a lot of who I was and what I loved as a person you're not gonna have Lord I pray who knows you're not gonna have this much time again what we're going through right now with this quarantine I know it's stressful and I know it's boring from time to time, but I really want you to try to sit down um, with your thoughts and with yourself and be able to return to something that you once enjoyed, but maybe you've forgotten over the years and it may not be easy for you to remember something that you once loved, but it is possible. Think about it. Holla at me if you need a little help. I'm always open in the DMs and I love you all. Stay black. Stay carefree, and I'll see you next time in the next episode of the Carefree and Black Diaries. Bye, guys.